Bienvenidos. Welcome to Chisme That Matters, a Latina podcast created to redefine chisme by having conversations about topics that matter. We'll be talking about personal finance, mental health, entrepreneurship, and so much more. This is your host, Kim Flo, and with our guest, we will be sharing our historias, expertise, journeys, and even our struggles so we can inspire and move our community. Here, every chisme, I mean, historia matters, and I can't wait for you to listen to them. And if you want some good and real chisme, this is the place to be at. I mean, come on, let's be real. Who doesn't like some chisme? Hola, hello, mi gente. How are you doing? This is 2022, and I am super excited as usual because I'm going to have an amazing chisme with an awesome human being. And today's chismosa's name is Melissa Jean Baptist, and she is the mind, the creative soul behind Millennial in Debt. If you guys are not following her, please do because she gives a lot of good content and not only entertaining, but very, very educational. And I know it's the beginning of the year, so a lot of us are trying to get our life together, our mental health, emotional health, and our finances. And I feel like it's something that we have to keep doing all the time. It's like a muscle that you have to like exercise it. So it's really important for me to have people that educate about this matter because right now it's all about the money. Like we got to take care of that. We got to take care of that. But anyway, so I wanted to have Melissa because she, she, first of all, is a millennial and I feel like all her information I feel like it relates to me. It relates to a lot of us. And I want her to share her story because it's very inspiring. And right now, she is working on tech, right? But she used to be a former high school teacher. So we weren't really going to find out about her transition because people are going to be like, wait, what? So anyway, without further ado, I want to give Melissa the mic so she can talk a little bit more about herself and what she does and all the good stuff. So welcome, Melissa. Hi, what an amazing introduction. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am really, really happy to be here. Like you said, it is the start of a new year. So we we all just want to get right, you know, mental health, emotional health, financial health, everything needs to get right. Um, but like you said, I am Melissa Jean Baptiste. I am the co-founder and lead content creator of Millennial in Debt. I am a millennial. Um, I, I do have debt. I have my mortgage left over, but I used to be a teacher. I was an English teacher in New York City for 11 years at the high school level. And now I am in tech. <laughs> a completely, completely different um, setup than what I, I was used to for the last decade, essentially. But I am the brand manager of marketing for a financial tech company. So big jump. And I paid off over $102,000 in student loans. Um, and now I'm trying to tackle this mortgage. And you know, I just help millennials really try to build generational wealth, gain financial freedom, and really understand financial literacy on a level that's human um, and not really on the level where it's like things are so gatekept and so confusing when it's like, it doesn't have to be that difficult, right? So that that's really what I'm here to do. That's what I'm all about. Yes. Thank you for sharing that info with us. And yeah, I mean, you're so right. We're all trying to get our money together. And I feel like this past couple of years has been like a wave of like a mind shift, right? Of like how we're thinking about money. And a lot of us are like, oh my God, I should have started in my twenties. Why my parents <laughs> left me with this? You know, it's this all those questions, but I no. feel like people like you are trying to give the the message like, yes, 
you should get your money together. There's ways to do it, but also it's like, it's okay. Take it step by step because a lot of us are in this situation, this position where we didn't have that foundation of money, right? Especially coming from, you know, immigrant families. I, I, I can speak for myself. I know that I didn't have the education in my family, right? Like we saw, we saw a lot of our, our parents getting in debt, working hard, hustling all the time. And so it was hard to get that. But once you, you grow up and then you start surrounding yourself with people like you, you know, that you see that they can make, they're changing the ways they see money and how they make money work for them. It's, it's very inspiring. So let's, let's kind of go back to what you said about being in debt and paying off $102,000. Like we all have student loans. Like it's just, yeah. I mean, we all, we all been there, right? So how do you make that happen? Yes. And I love that you bring up the fact that, you know, we are children of immigrants. And so whenever I share my story and talk about where it came from, I am a first generation um, Haitian American. So my parents were born in Haiti. They came over when they were younger. um, And I'm also the oldest of three. So I had to lead the way in everything. And if anyone listening is the oldest child or the firstborn, you know, you know, like it's all on your shoulders. I know. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like you you better get this together because your siblings are following behind you. Um, and so I was the first to graduate high school, the first to go off to college, and the first to be shackled with student loan debt, right? And I had to figure out, well, what is what is the promissory note? What is this interest rate? What is the debt to income ratio? None of these things that I knew. Um, because my parents didn't know, right? My parents really did the best that they could. They gave me the skills and the tools that they had in their toolbox, but they can't give me what they don't know. And so whenever I talk about financial literacy, I'm saying, I, I say, you know, I wish I could have started younger, but I did the best I could with what I had. And so at 25 years old, I thought for some reason in New York and New York, <laughs> real estate's really high. For some reason, I thought that I'd be able to buy a house at 25 years old um, without ever really learning anything about real estate, without learning anything about finance, without learning anything about money. Um, And that's when I got my first real wake up call. And so I'm on the phone with this real estate agent and I'm just like, oh, you know, I want to look into homes. And he's like, okay, well, you have to first get pre-approved. I'm like, okay, great. I pay all my bills. Like I don't have a problem. And so he comes back to me and the amount that I was pre-approved for was super, super, super low. And I, I, I remember being really upset with him and confused. And I'm just like, am I going to buy a dollhouse out here in New York? Like, what do you, what can I do with this low amount of uh, pre-approval? And he goes, well, to be honest with you, this amount was pre-approved because you have so much debt. And I'm just like, but it's student loan debt. You know, I did what I was supposed to do. I went to school, you know, I went to college, I graduated. I don't, I don't see how this is keeping me from moving forward in my future. And I'm like, I don't even understand. I pay all my bills on time. And so he's just like, well, you need to reach out to your student loan provider and talk to them, right? Try to figure out what plans they have for you so you can pay this down so you can have a better DTI, right? Debt to income ratio so you can move forward with buying a house. And so I'm like, okay, I call my student loan provider and I am shocked to find out that even though I graduated in 2010, and I was 25 years old in 2013. So three years of on-time payments, I now had a balance that was $20,000 more than what I borrowed. Mm. And I'm just like, um, excuse me, what's happening here? What is going on here? And she's like, well, yeah, you're on an income only uh, payment plan, an uh, interest only payment plan. 
And I'm like, what is that? I don't even understand what language you're speaking because I was on the income-based repayment plan, which is the one that, you know, if you're not making a ton of money, they're like, yes, it's gonna, you're gonna pay low amounts. And I'm like, that's great. But after my first year in that particular um, program, I didn't like recertify or they said that I didn't make enough or I made too much money. So I wouldn't be able to have the low payment. My payment would increase. And I'm just like, no, I want low payments. And so I switched into interest only without even realizing that I shot myself in the foot, right? I didn't know what it was I was doing with these payment options. And so she tells me, she said, yeah, well, for the last two and a half years, you've been really, or two years, you've been just paying off the interest and you haven't been tackling the principal. And this is why, because your interest compounds daily. Something I I have I had no idea what compound interest was. And I didn't know how it could work in your benefit when you're investing and it could be in your detriment when you're in debt. And so I'm like, ma'am, could you please just explain this to me in a way that I can 100% understand because I'm trying to buy a house. I want to move out of my parents' house. Um, <laughs> and she's, yeah, you know, it's like, I'm like, I'm not trying to live there yeah. forever. And so she's just like, well, you know, with this payment, you're going to be paying back for the next 30 years. And I couldn't even explain the level of anger, sadness, frustration, fear, like 30 years of my life. Mm -hmm. I just, I'd be 55 years old before I'd be done paying these loans. And so I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't deal with this. And so I switched into a graduated repayment plan, which is better than an interest only repayment plan. But they, I think the graduated moved me from 30 years to 25 years. And I'm just like, this is still trash. And so that's when I really sat down with my finances and I'm just like, okay, I need to make a plan where I can get out of debt much sooner so I can start my adulting, right? My true adult life. So I can move out and do all these other things. I can travel. And at that point, I didn't even have a savings account. So I was really... <laughs> I was really starting from zero at 25 years old. And so that's why when people were like, oh, I started so late or I did this, I did that. I'm just like, listen, you can start at any point. Once you decide and you make different changes and you do different things to really have a grasp and understanding of your finances, it's never, ever, ever, ever too late. And so, yeah, so I sat down. I'm like, okay, I have these bills. I need to create a savings account. I learned what a sinking fund was and all these other options. And so over the course of five years, <laughs> and so it's not an overnight success, um, over the course of five years, I was able to pay one loan off every single year by creating a sinking fund, by increasing my income, by you know side hustling, doing all these things. And so in 2018, December 2018, I made my final student loan payment. Uh, that final $12,000 brought me up to a total of $102,000. Even though I only borrowed 50, that's what always gets me. I'm like, yeah, I paid it off, but I, I only borrowed $50,000. <laughs> I don't know how I paid double, right? Um, and so December 2018, I paid off my loans and then I moved into my house in January 2019. So that's my story. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like it sounds like a lot of us, you know what I mean? I, everybody has a different story, but I feel like when we go into the whole student debt thing, we just want to graduate right we just want to yep. get the money so we can pay for those credits and go we get in desperate mode so we don't even read the fine print we don't understand we just know that we owe money and that's it like i've been Correct. there you know and Correct. that's another episode but student loans they're a mess <laughs> i'm like i can't like it's so funny how they get you because yep. it's like how you are how are you even paying for certain things that you're not even supposed to be paying first of all right Correct. or they don't approve you for certain things and this and that like what happened to me is that i my parents were not living here in the united states they were living in ecuador so i was supporting myself 100 uh -huh. they stopped helping me 
financial aid and I had to apply for loans because apparently I was under 25 supporting myself and and I couldn't do that like so I had to it was like a whole thing that I was like yes you I need the money I need the money why are you stopping the financial aid so that's what got me into student debt but whatever so then yeah we don't we just want to pay because obviously if you don't pay in a week you can't take those credits and then you don't take those credits the Mm -hmm. class is closed and then you have to go to summer school and all this it's a whole thing it's a stress level it's insane so I totally relate to that part of like, oh yeah, I only borrowed like $6,000 and somehow it became 12. And I'm just here like, <laughs> because I was paying the minimum too and I was not paying the interest. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And with you, it was even worse because you were only paying the interest and not like the, the main. The uh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> how, why, why did I do this? And here's the thing. And people are always like, well, you borrowed the money. You should know. But student loans have such predatory practices, right? And one of the things I talk about on, on my platform very often is private student loans, especially, they operate on variable interest, right? And so when I first signed those promissory notes at 18, 19, 20 years old, I was signing a student loan that was at an interest rate of 6% at 7%. One of my largest loans, when I paid it off, it was at 16.2% interest. I never signed a 16% interest student loan. And so it's just like, why do we, why is that legal? Why is that okay for Mm -hmm. me at 19, 18 years old to sign a loan Right. And then at 25, say, oh, well, yeah, it was 6% interest, but now it's 16. I didn't know. Like, that's very predatory for me. And I don't think that should be legal. So those are a lot of the things I talk about. It's like, okay, I'm going to pay back what I borrowed. That That's a different conversation. But there are other things happening in this student loan, you know, fiasco. So it's not just like people don't want to pay what they borrowed, which is mm-hmm. the, the narrative that a lot of people like to say. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not, that's not true. That's not the case. Uh huh. It's like we're paying more than we were supposed to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just insane. And I just feel like Biden should just erase everything. Like, stop playing with our feelings. Like, you just uh-huh. do it. Like, you you can you can do it. You just don't want to. <laughs> I agree. Let's go. Let's go. Cancel. Uh, I mean, you know what? I'm always thinking. Like, there's so many people out there hacking a lot of things. Why there's no one person out there that can hack the system? Sally, I'm sorry. I may go to jail for this, but like, <laughs> you know, like hack these systems and be like, all right, nobody has like student loan. Like, it's impossible. It doesn't like fill my head that there's not a person out there doing that. Come on. I've thought about this for years. I had to change all my passwords today because I got like a, a hacker warning. And I'm like, you know what? You could use your powers for good instead yeah. of for evil, you know? So Exactly. I'm, as little I'm people good. here, as little people here, no, no, don't take away that like the $2 that I have. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Don't <laughs> Sally May. Yeah, be a Robin Hood. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like uh, but anyway well, we'll see hopefully a miracle happens i don't know um but yeah so it's it's just insane and i'm like i'm so like impressed by you know your the way that you you kind of paid off the whole thing because a lot of people get like frustrated anxious right. i'm never gonna do it and they, they deprive themselves and because they have right. that mentality that they they're gonna have to pay for the next 30, 30 years then just live life as nothing and then they get into debt with other things right yes they're like oh yes. that's that's what life is about it's about getting in debt right but it's not it's like it's, it's not. not it's like it's like being in jail it's being a slave like seriously yeah. 
No, I agree. And I, I talked about, so when I first started paying back the loans when I was 25, 26, I did do a lot of deprivation. And now as a much older, wiser person, you know, when I talk about money, I'm like, you don't have to live in a place of scarcity and deprivation, right? You can make adjustments. Obviously you're going to budget in things that you really want to do or that really matter to you. And you're going to cut back on other things. But I was, when I was 26, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going on vacation. I'm not doing my nails. I'm not going to get waxed. I'm not going to do my hair. I'm not going to buy people gifts. I'm not going to go to restaurants. It's like, girl, are you going to live your life at all? Like, you know, so it's, it's interesting to see how my journey with money has grown and how I'm able to really, because my two younger brothers are going through this now. And I'm just like, listen, you don't want to go shopping with the student loan refund check. Okay. Don't do that, but we'll figure out other ways where you can make money and you can go on these vacations without having to get into all these other types of debt. So absolutely. Like I, I agree with you too. Like I was the, the person like had, you know, envelopes for everything back in, back in the days, like when I was in my early twenties, because I, I like in my country, we'll say Tacaña is someone Mm -hmm. who is like, doesn't want to like spend money. Right. Because I was scared. I was scared that I was not going to have money because my, that's my, the history of my family. Right. Where Mm -hmm. my dad was always in debt. I didn't want to do that. But then when I started earning more money, I was like, Ooh, more money. Right. Um, I got into credit card debt and I was like, how did I even get here? You know what I mean? And right. I was just like, okay, no. So now, like you said, there are ways to get more money, right? Like for example, right. like I asked for a raise and I paid off my car and my student loans. Not last year, it was a year before that, in 2020, mm-hmm. actually. Nice. I had this things. Yeah, it was in the middle of the pandemic. I, I had like, you know, enough money. I had saved money too because, you know, mm-hmm. we couldn't go out or anything like that. Right. And I'm, I'm an impulsive payer. Like I, instead of being an impulsive shopper, I'm a payer and I'm like, Oh, I owe $8,000. Do I have them in the bank? You know what? I'm going to get them back. Boom. And I pay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the way it works for me. Because if, if I do little by little, it, it gets me, I'm like, no, no, it's okay. I'm going to get the money back somehow. Like I'll make it happen. That pressures me to yes. make more money in a sense. You know, so I'm like, that's, that's, that's been my style. And yes, I used to deprive myself a lot. I'm not going to go on vacation and that. But like you said, there's ways to adjust the budget. And for example, now, okay, I don't really go out that much, but you know what? I'm going to treat myself and I'm going to go to the buddy concert in Puerto Rico. And that's what I did. You know, so priorities for me are experiences now, like not so much material. And I'm just like, okay, I don't need this, but there's times that I'm like, you know what? I do want those sneakers. Like, do I need them? No, I want them. Yes. You know, but it's all about, you know, you kind of like organizing yourself and seeing where yeah. you can take and, and put more, right? Instead of having yep. that mentality of like, oh, I cannot do nothing, you know, because we want to enjoy life too. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't want to look back in 50 years and say, yeah, I'm debt free, but what did I really do? And just like you said, like, I love experiences. And so travel was really important for me. And so every year that I paid off a loan, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take one trip. And then when I paid off another, I'm like, okay, maybe I could do like a big trip and a small trip. And so I just started adding in more things that were crucial and important to me. And yes, I love sneakers. Like, a lot. But sometimes I really have to talk to myself and say, okay, like, do you need another pair of sneakers that's going to take up space in your house? Or could you maybe do two pairs of sneakers for the year and then a trip, right? So it's like, you really got to negotiate and see with yourself what matters and what's important. And that's how you can figure out your budget. Yeah. Yeah. And trust me, like for whoever's listening to this out there, it's not like, 
you know, some of us uh, have a budget in this and sometimes we go over the budget. Like it's, it's human. And like, I know, for example, like there are times I'm like, okay, I'm not going to buy clothes this month. And what do I do? I buy clothes. And then I'm like upset at myself. I'm like, what did I buy clothes for? You know, I was like, did I, yeah. it make me feel better? Yes. I'm like, do I actually need them? No. You know, so I reassess for the next month. I don't, yeah. I, I'm trying not to be so hard on myself and be like, okay, why are you so bad with money? It's not about that. It's more, I'm like, you know what? I bought clothes, but I didn't really go out much. So yeah. I'm going to take it from that fund and I'm going to put yeah. it towards my clothes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how it works. It really does. And I love the fact that you said, don't be so hard on yourself. It's like, yes, hold yourself accountable. But mm-hmm. in September and October, I was over my budget two months in a row. And I was in mm-hmm. November, I was like, girl, maybe mm-hmm. we need to look at the budget and see what's happening because mm-hmm. two months in a row. And so, and that's why it's really important for these conversations about money and finance to be so open and vulnerable because you don't want people to think like, oh, you know, this finance influencer, she's got it perfect. She knows how to budget. It's like, mm, no, this finance influencer also messes up too, right? So it's important to really talk about this because mm-hmm. it's just like, just because I messed up two months in a row doesn't mean that my November, December, I can't get back on track. And just like you said, I can move things around. Like if I didn't eat out a lot this month, maybe I can move that into my like Sephora budget, you know? So it's just like, it's really seeing what works for yourself and holding yourself accountable, but also giving yourself grace. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it's, it's an ongoing thing. It's an exercise. You know what I mean? You gotta yeah. like continue. And if you, you want to be more mindful about, let's say you're eating, like eating habits, right? It's the same thing. It's like, okay, maybe I'm going to have a burger two days in a row, but then maybe it just has something lighter. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Maybe a salad on day three. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I mean, I'll just have a carrot, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll just want to eat the whole day. No, no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> But yeah, I think it's it's important to just show us humans because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Right. It's just about like right. at least being aware of what's going on in your finances. Because I for know sure. for myself, and I don't know you, Melissa, but in the past, I was going in life like, you know, I wouldn't even check what's in my bank. <laughs> I'd be like, I I mean, I would check, but I'd be like, okay, I think I'm okay. But I didn't have a budget. Like I, I'm like, I'm all right, you know? And then the funny thing is that like, when I, I was earning less money, I was more frugal. Like I had like budgets mm-hmm. like, and like little envelopes, right? That's how I used to be my method back in the days because I used to have like cash. Then when I started earning more money, that's when I stopped budgeting because I'm like, oh, I have money yeah, now. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I think I'm okay. And then at some point when I would look back, I'm like, oh my God, like, no, 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 no. So then I started budgeting again because I'm like, this cannot be happening. It's like, where's my money going at? Right? Like yeah. you're not here like freaking like Cardi B or Kim Kardashian, like with money, like coming out of your, your mouth, you yeah. know? And so, yeah. so I was like, you gotta be mindful. You gotta be aware of what's going on. Yes. And I love, so that point that you bring up, I also talk about that, um, especially with my shift from teaching into tech, that's called lifestyle creep, right? And so it happens where we're, we're making less money and we have all these bills and we want to feel like we're under control. So we don't, you know, topple over and miss a bill. And so we're super frugal and super on it. And then we get a raise or then we get more money. Mm. And then we're just like, oh, if I was surviving on that, I could go buy that Gucci bag. Like I could do all of that. And so I wanted to make sure, especially with this job, with the increase in income that I didn't increase my lifestyle cost. Right. So that doesn't mean that mm. I go and take on an extra bill or I start charging more to my card. No, it means I 
we stay in the same, you know, budget that we were working with mm-hmm. for our lower income. And then that extra money we can use to save, we can use to invest, we can use to travel, we can use to do so many other things, but it doesn't have to go into consumerism. Like some of it can, like, I'm not going to lie. I did buy a washer dryer and it feels amazing, but I know that every hey. month I'm not increasing my lifestyle to match the increase in my income. So it's important to pay attention mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're in the in the journey that if you really want to, you know what I mean, like it, build wealth. Because if you're not, if you're not in that sense, I'm like, okay, do whatever you want, you know. But for example, a lot of us want to retire early, right? We don't want to be working for the rest of our life, or it, it's not only that, just like paying off debt and stuff like that. So I think like it's it's just prioritizing and seeing, okay, you know what I mean, like if I do want to be wealthy at some point or at least pass, you know, to the next generations, you know, I gotta be my for what I'm doing right now. Exactly. You know? So exactly. Yeah, I think I, that's the message. The retire early. My father just retired. He's 63. He's turning 64 next week. Um, and he retired yes. this past November. And he, when I tell you he's living his best life, he just got back from Dubai with my mother. Like he's just living his best life. And I love that for him. And he does have a pension. He does have a 401k. So he's in a really good position, especially as someone who came into the country as an immigrant. I want that same lifestyle, but I don't want it at 63. I want it at like mm. 45, you know, like I want it much sooner. And so that's what's important to me. And so I prioritize, like you said, doing what works for me or what is important to me. And so because I want to retire early, I'm trying to invest a lot more now. So, you know, when the 45 and the 50 comes, I could be like, okay, peace out, work. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. For me. So it's, it's definitely just thinking about that. Yeah, I feel like mentally I'm already retired from work. So <laughs> I'm just here like just pay me. Just pay me for, you know what I mean? And then I'll just like, but I'm 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 already like in Dubai like your dad. <laughs> yeah, when I tell you he called me, so he retired in November, but he called me in October. He was like, Hey, how you doing? I'm like, good, how are you? He's like, Oh, I just booked a trip to Dubai for after I retire. I'm like, What? Oh. I'm like, I just clocked into work so cool we're on different vibes that's <laughs> <laughs> but i'm so happy for him like i i definitely yeah. want that for me too yeah yeah we i i want that too like for me personally i want my mom to retire too like i want to retire my mom so it's it's a yeah. lot it's work you know and it could be a little intimidating but yeah. you know like i feel like learning about it through people like you, it's very, it's very, it'll make it a little easier. It makes you feel a little bit more kind of like, okay, I'm not alone. I can make this happen. You know? So Melissa, so let's talk about your transition from my high school teacher, yeah. right? Cause you started. Okay. So for those who don't know, Melissa has a very fun and educated, <laughs> uh, educational, TikTok and Instagram account. She does a lot of great, great, great videos. And everybody loves it. You know, she's really good in transitions. Those transitions are exquisite. And she was a teacher. So I I know that a lot of us had a lot of time during the pandemic, right? So how did that whole I want to call it career because it is a career, right? Like it's like social media career started for you. I love this question because it's it's so random. Like my journey into finance is so random. And so 
back in 2013, uh, my best friend, also my business partner, she was like transitioning her hair. So she was going to no longer be relaxing her hair. And she's like, hey, do you want to do this with me? Mm. I'm like, all right. So we literally like shaved our heads. And she's just like, do you want to like blog about this? And I'm like, okay, cool. And so we started (laughs) a beauty blog about hair. We started an Instagram. And I would like tell these stories like while doing my hair and be like super funny and weird. And people seem to like my weirdness. And so that kind of like blew up. And then I kind of was like over doing my hair. I was like, I don't really want to do my hair on the internet anymore. I don't want to write about product reviews. I'm just like, I don't really even care about my hair like that. And so I was getting really, really into paying off my student loans. Like I was getting into that journey and I'm just like, okay, like I really want to do this. And I felt very alone. I felt very alienated. I felt very ashamed, right? Because no one was really talking about money in that time. So this was 2017. Um, so the beauty blog was doing great. Like we were making money. We were put, posting content. But I was just like, I kind of want to talk about my student loan stuff, but I don't really know who to talk to about it. And so I went to my best friend and I'm just like, how's your student loan repayment going? And we started talking and she started telling me her story. And I just like started taking notes. And then I reached out to my other friends and my other family members. And I, in like a month, I had a notebook filled with their stories. And so I'm just like, huh, okay. I like writing, you know, I like putting things down together. And so I taught myself screenwriting because I worked at a um, art high school, like a performing arts high school. So I like asked some of my students, I asked some of my colleagues, I taught myself screenwriting. I was like, I'm going to turn their stories into a, like a play or like a short story. And I ended up turning it into a web series. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just name it millennial in debt because it's all millennials. Like my friends and family are all, you know, in the similar age group, but we all have really funny, ridiculous stories. And so I turned it into a web series. I threw it up on YouTube and then it got really popular. And so I'm just like, Hmm. Like, I guess I could put this on Instagram. Like, I don't know. Like, I was just like, I guess. And so I made an Instagram and I started posting like my experiences, my friends' experiences. I started producing the show and it like got really, really big. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? Right. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to talk more about my experience and my, you know, learn the things I learned about money and building a savings account and doing all that. And then I really just started turning millennial into not only my experiences and my friends' experiences, but a community of everyone's experiences with money and what they wish they had learned and know all the things that I learned. And that's really how millennial in debt came to be. And then like people were like, oh, well, what about season two? Whatever. So I'm like, okay. So I wrote like a second season. But at the time the second season came out, it really was becoming more of a financial literacy platform which I still love the web series, Uh, but it was becoming a a financial literacy platform. And I'm like, okay, well, I really want to take this seriously, but I want to um, make sure that this community vibe that we're getting from, you know, the beginning of the first year, I want to expand that, right? I want to make sure that no one feels left behind. I want to make sure no one feels ashamed. I want to make sure everyone feels like a community, like we're friends, like we're, you know, face-to-face talking. And so I'm just like, well, I'm kind of like dorky in real life. So I'm like, I'm just going to make funny things. And so I started really getting into editing and that's like with all the transitioning. And so with everything, I wanted to be really creative, but also authentic. I don't want people to feel like they're being talked at or like using all this verbiage and people are like, what is this woman saying? Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what helps guide Millennial in Debt as a brand, as a platform. It's supposed to feel like 
you're talking with your best friend about money. That's what I want it to feel like. And you're supposed to be learning how to make more money, how to build, you know, wealth and pass that on and all this stuff. So that's what I love about it is that people could like DM me or go on my comments and we're chatting like we've known each other for years. So that's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. I mean, I've been on your website and I've seen like you have like different topics yeah. like um, lifestyle and all this stuff. So I think it's pretty cool. But I didn't know. And I did see and on YouTube one video, but I didn't know that it was like a whole web series. Yeah. Like that's how you started. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, like your your whole vibe, it is like that. It's like you're talking to a friend and and because you're so, I think, authentic, you know, very raw, like the way you show up in camera. It's not like, yeah, I mean, you get, you know, get done and then and out. But it's more kind of like, listen, I'm inviting you to my home. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this is how I look. You know what I mean? I just woke up and <laughs> you got to deal with it because you all look like that too. So, you know, yep. and, and that's what I, I appreciate from a lot of content creators. Like even when I put my own videos too, like I'm very like, I could look like, you know, whatever. And I'm okay because I feel like I, I want people to see the authenticity. It's yeah. not like I'm, I need to get three hours ready to make a video. I'm just like, if I have a message to say, I'm just going to put it out there. Right. And this is who I am. A lot of people say, it's like, oh my God, you're hilarious. Like, how do you do those videos? I'm like, this is my life. Like, <laughs> if you ask my boss, you ask my mom, you ask my friends. Kim is like that all. Like, I always say funny things. It's just like, you know, it's like the afterthoughts that yeah. you have in your mind. Yeah. I, I just say them aloud. Sometimes I shouldn't, you know, because I could get fired, but I'm just like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Even with my like, and that's what people appreciate. And I think it's really important because I know when the influencer world started getting really popular, everything was like all the aesthetic and everything had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And you had to look made up and you had to, people were going to those like fake influencer houses in the city. And it's like, you don't live there. <laughs> you, don't you don't live there and you don't look like that 24 hours a day. So it's just like, if I do dress up and look really nice on camera, that's cool. But it's like, also if I show up in some sweats and I'm just like, listen, this is also me, right? And so I think it's really important to always show that dichotomy and show who you are at all different levels because we all are different, you know, versions of ourselves throughout the day. So I think that's what's really important when you're yeah. in front of the camera. Yeah, for sure. No, and I, I appreciate that from you. So, I mean, because you have had so much, I guess, um, attraction and success, I want to say with, you know, the videos that you're making, a lot of people are coming to you to help them, right? Yes. With their, with their brands. And I know that I actually started my, uh, the process of signing up, yes. but I know that you're having a, a workshop, right? At the end of the month. Yes, correct. So you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yes. So this all, everything always has like a weird origin story, right? So, um, yes. Instagram Reels came it. out, uh, like the end of 2020. Right. I think whatever. Yeah. And people were like, well, what is this? And we weren't really like super big on TikTok yet. I mean, we were big on TikTok, but it's like it didn't really transition into Instagram. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to like play around, see like how this works out. And I actually ended up falling in love with that content. So this is a short form, um, short video content. Right. I'm just like, this is kind of cool. Like you're delivering a message you're giving information, edutainment, they call it. And you can show up in any way you want. You can do transitions. Um, And so I really started Mm -hmm. focusing in on that as a content strategy and it helped grow the brand tremendously. It helped in my negotiations. It helped in so many things, right? It really, and I talk to people all the time, I'm like, listen, Instagram Reels really helped 
the revenue for my brand. It really helped. And it's not just like, oh, well, you were doing campaigns for brands. It's like, no, I was doing campaigns with brands for their own brand. Like it wasn't even going onto my platform. And I know that's something a lot of people are interested in. And so when you do consultations, which I've done with finance and, and with content creation, sometimes you don't get to reach as many people as you'd like right? Because it's like our schedules, I work full time. And sometimes, you know, people can't meet on the weekends. And so I did a Reels Masterclass last May. And it was super well received. It was so exciting and so much fun to put together. And it is our highest product for 2021. And so I was talking on IG stories in I think October or November about how I'm obsessed with Apple, Apple products. And I'm just like, I'm not a really good consumer. And so I like to create content for people like me who consume on the internet like me because we're difficult. Like I'm, I'm very hard to please on the internet. Um, and so I'm like, Apple has a really great content strategy and they keep us buying like the newest phone, the newest AirPods, the newest I'm like, I have three MacBooks in my house. And I'm like, I don't understand, <laughs> you know? And so I started talking about that and I'm really obsessed with Steve Jobs. And so... I've read that Steve Jobs biography like four times and I'm just like, it inspired me when I was a little younger to take courses that might not really make sense at the time. And they definitely helped me a lot with content creation. So things like mm. typography, things like color theory and how to use fonts and things like that. Calligraphy was a class I took at like 22. And I'm like, I don't know, but Steve Jobs said it was a good idea. And so now, <laughs> right? And now I use all these ideas in content and I want to help people do that as well because it makes you more unique. It makes you stand out. It makes your voice a lot easier to find and a lot easier to hear. And so people were really mm -hmm. interested from that IG story. And I'm like, okay. Well, I can't do one-on-one -on -one consultations with everybody, but I would love to put together a course where it's like, okay, I want to be an influencer or I want to increase my visibility or my engagement for my brand or for my business. And let me go use this as a resource, right? And it's going to, I can use it as much as I want, even if I don't have access to Melissa on a Sunday night, whatever it is. Um, and so I'm like, okay, great. And then I'm like, well, you know, people also don't really know too much about the legal side of being an influencer or the legal aspects of things you need to do to protect you and to protect your brand. So I'm just like, okay, maybe you'll, you know, bring in my trademark lawyer and see if she wants to, you know, share some jewels, some information. She was like, yes, like I would love to tell people that they need to protect, you know, using Canva is really great. But, you know, do you know the copyright laws and things when you use their fonts? And I'm just like, yeah, that's a good point, right? And so I'm just like, okay, let's put this together. And this is how this came in. So we were brainstorming ideas in December and we're like, okay, in January, we're gonna, you know, start this up and see if it's something people would want. And the reception's been really good. Like people have been really interested. So I'm excited to share, you know, the things that I've learned, the things that are not like super Googleable that are easy to find on the internet, but are things from like those weird courses I took as a, as, you know, as a, a younger 20s. Um, and have incorporated them into content creation and working with brands and negotiation. So it's really exciting. And I, I can't wait for you to join and anyone else listening. I really, if it's something you want to start this year or something you want to scale up this year, I definitely, definitely recommend coming, joining in um, and learning all the things that you need. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I am like, I am super excited to take it because I feel like nowadays a lot of people are get trying to get into, you know, the video, you know, educational uh, series yeah. and stuff like that. But they are a little bit kind of like afraid or, or, or intimidated, let's say, because of all the things that you have to do. Yeah. And, you know, like I, it's funny because I, I posted a, um, 
a, a TikTok today. It's like, oh, you know, I'm always like, I love to make TikToks. Is it fun? Yeah. Is it like, is it work? Yeah, yeah, too. And, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it depends what you want to use it for. But it could right. be easy if you know all the ins and out. And so I think it's good that you are trying to help us out with those details yeah. that we may not think about. I didn't think about that Canva font. Now I'm like, I oh know. my God, I'm going to get two. And I love Canva <laughs> and I use it all the time, but they have such like verbiage that I don't even look into sometimes. And so whenever I bring mm. it to my lawyer, she's like, oh, did you do this? Did you do that? I'm like, oh God. <laughs> oh my god now, it's definitely you know things that you just want to keep in mind as a business as you scale up and you know in front yeah. of more eyes yeah melissa's gonna be like oh no it's gonna happen the same thing as my loans you know <laughs> <laughs> i didn't read the first that five line <laughs> i know but canva's definitely a great resource i love them you just gotta know how to use it appropriately in your brand yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, Melissa, you know, starting the year and and all that, you know, fr- kind of fresh start. What is it like? Three things that you will recommend people out there, especially like millennials, when it comes to their finances. What are the three things that you think yeah. that they should take in consideration for this year so they can be prepared and slay their finances? Oh, I love it. I'm ready. So, the first thing I always tell everyone is to sit down and sit down with your money and figure out your net worth. Um, There are definitely programs that do it for you. I recommend personal capital. I love personal capital. Um, But sometimes Mm -hmm. people don't want to connect all of their accounts to one program, which is I I completely Mm -hmm. understand, right? But you could do it on paper. You could do it by hand. So you would just add up all of your debts, right? Which is the part people hate. They're like, I don't want to even think about it, right? So add up Mm -hmm. all of your debts, right? And then you add up all of your assets and you would subtract your debts from your assets, right? So that number you come up with, that's your net worth. And it's okay if it's negative right now. So some people are like, um, I'm worth negative $50,000. I'm like, listen, it's okay. I also had a negative net worth when I was starting out. And then you built, you built and you dig, right? And so sit down, whether it's today, tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this, sit down, add up all your debts, add up all your assets, and then subtract it to find out what your net worth is. So that's step one. Right. And then step two is you want to set at least two goals. I know people like to say, do five, uh, just do two, right? Do two money goals for yourself that you know are practical and you really want to give yourself the opportunity to work on. Right. So, for example, last year, my two money goals were to pay off my car loan and to max out my Roth IRA. Those are the two things I focused on because I'm just like, I don't have the attention span. I don't want (laughs) stress. Like, you know, like I want it to be practical for me. All right, so sit down and come up with two financial goals that you want to accomplish this year over the course of 12 months. It doesn't have to be this month, right? But it's just, what do I want my next 12 months to look like financially for myself, right? So that's step two. And then step three, you need to create a budget. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be a practical budget, right? So you definitely want to include a byline for self-care or fun money is what I call it. You mm-hmm. want to include small things. So a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm not going to include the $3 for my Apple storage. I'm like, you have to include it because you want to see what your financial picture looks like, right? So how much money is coming in, how much money is going out, and how much money is left over? Because that's going to help you figure out how much you're saving, right? How much you can invest, all those things. So you have to create a budget by knowing the numbers. And people are like, mm-hmm. well, budgets don't work for me. It's just like, then change the budget, right? It doesn't mean you give up budgeting completely. It just means you find a better budget that fits your needs, fits your lifestyle, and it fits your goals that you have set for yourself. So those are the the top three that I think um, we should start off with in January. For sure. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I feel like for me, uh, personally, 
zero base budget works uh, well um, because I I was able to put all my stuff, yep. everything what I rent, and then separate them by groups. Like, yep. what are my actual needs? You know, what is my wants? What are the my debts? What are whatever else? So in that way, I can see where all my money is going and. And it goes down to zero. You know yeah. what I mean? So if anyone is listening out there, just go Google zero base budget. It's super. I, I feel like it's an easy budget to do, but it doesn't work for for everyone right. uh, because people want to have like some spare money. And I do have, I account like, like whatever money yeah. I said, like a little, like maybe a hundred dollars, like in a little super thing that I may, yeah. I may want, you know, but it, it helps me see the whole map before my money is going. Yes. And I love that you say that because I do suggest zero-based budgeting for a lot of people. And I know it doesn't work for me. And it's just like, and that's what I love because I love the the concept of it, but I'm just like, every time I've tried it, I'm like, it doesn't work for me. So I like the mm. 50, 30, 20. Um, and I actually talked to Cindy who her, she has zero-based budget on Instagram. I talk oh, to yeah. her all the time and I'm just like, okay, show me how you do it. And she, she'll walk me through. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it this month. And then I'll go back to her. I'm like, yeah, no. It, did, it didn't work for me because I'm like, I don't want to sit down and do this. So it's see, but that's why it's so important. There's so many different options, so many different styles yeah. of budgeting. You just got to pick. And if this one doesn't work this month, you try a different one, but you keep trying with the budget. Yeah. And I think it, it, it's good that you said that, that to keep trying because sometimes we give up because like, oh my gosh, too much, too many numbers. I've been there where mm-hmm. I didn't want to face my fears, right? my shadows and the money area. And, and it takes time. Yeah. Like I spend like, no joke. I spend my whole lot, like maybe a whole full day the, the last week of December, just my money. I, that was my date with my money. Yep. Did I end up with a headache? I ended up with a headache, but I was done with it. I didn't have to sit down in January 1st and try to figure it out. That's right. I love money dates. I used to go on them every Saturday with myself. Um, oh. Now I try to do them once a month because I'm like, okay, I set the yeah. budget for the month. Let me see what happens. Where, um, exactly. And then I go in that but money date. I'm like, all right, girl. You didn't spend any money here, which is good, but you were bugging when you was going to Wendy's. So, right? So, I love the, the conversations I get to have with myself about money, you know, and check yeah. in and see, make sure I'm, you know, in the right track to at least hit my my goals for the year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love it. But anyway, Melissa, thank you so much for sharing yes. this uh, cheese with us. And I don't know if you want to say anything else in regards of any other courses that you have or uh, share with us your uh, Instagram and TikTok accounts. Yes. Well, you can find me everywhere. Millennial in debt, except for Twitter. I always say except for Twitter because it's a short, it's mill in debt. Um, just for yeah. shorter name, uh, but millennial in debt everywhere, millennial in debt.com. Um, join the webinar. If you are interested, I also do have replays of webinars on millennial in debt.com. If you want to talk about budgeting, credit, um, investing, all of those things, I definitely have tools and resources. I have eBooks. So millennial in debt.com is your best way to access, you know, anything that you might need for assistance on your personal finance journey. Or if you just want to, you know, chat and see the videos, definitely millennial in debt on Instagram and TikTok, you know, YouTube, if you know, that's where we're at. But thank you so much for having me. Oh man, this was so much fun. I love that. I can't wait for people to listen to this. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. And if you have any questions, just DM, I guess, and we'll see you through the webs. Yeah. Ciao. Bye. 
Mi gente, thank you so much. Gracias for listening to this chisme that I have with Melissa. I love listening to her story and her relationship with money throughout the years. I know that I will take a lot from her story to apply in my life. I hope the same for you because it's a new year, so we can set new relationship goals with our dinero. Tenemos que poner las pilas, mi gente, so we can build this generational wealth. And I just wanted to ask you for a favor, Zizel. If you are listening to this episode through Apple Podcasts, please leave me a review. Let me know how you like it. And if you don't like it, it's okay. <laughs> and if you're not listening through Apple Podcasts, just share it with your friends and family. And if you have any suggestions for any topic, please send it to me through the email or via Instagram. Anywho, with that being said, I wish you an amazing rest of the week. Surround yourself with authentic vibes. Please don't wear your mask because COVID is outside. It's outside. And try to be authentic. I will talk to you next time. Ciao.